welcome back to the Couch Team Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and as always, I'm joined by Matt Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? Pretty good. Coming off of that uh, draft day high. Man, what a wild night. It like, was. <laughs> absolute wild night. Uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, there's always some teams that do things that, that make me say some words, but there were, there were quite a few of those the other day. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, jokingly made a pick, and turned out that pick wasn't a joke. It was an actual pick. <laughs> and, and I was so upset when it happened. We'll get into it. Uh, you should be upset as well if you're a fan of that team. And I think you probably know who we're talking about. But anyway, before we dive in um, to the podcast much further, remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch Pod. Also, we have an Instagram account. Follow us um, at Couch GM Podcast. Uh, the full word there on Instagram. Uh, follow us. We're putting out some Instagram content every week, at least like three or four times. So come check us out over there. Um, also, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher if you haven't already. Uh, subscribe and rate and review us on whatever your platform is. We'd greatly appreciate that. Matt, before we talk about new stuff on the podcast, let me give you a quick recap of episode 36. We talked about Al Horford declining his player option for Boston and then found out later he's probably not signing with Boston. What is happening? (laughs) Uh, It's okay. We're in rebuild. I guess so. That was a quick rebuild. Uh, uh, We also talked about teams that might be making the look uh, looking to make a move on draft night and players who could get moved um, and then draft prospects, prospects we like, find less appealing, risky, or it could be a quality late round pick. Talked about all that on our draft preview podcast. It's a little outdated now, but you can always go back and listen to that because Matt did a fantastic job. See what uh, we got right or wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can laugh at us. That's sure, the best part. Uh, Matt, what, in this week's NBA News, what happened? So before we get to the draft and everything that came with it, there's some other stuff that happened. Most notably, it happened not too long after we uh, we recorded is Mike Conley getting traded to Utah. We talked about Memphis wanting John Morant, so they're going to have to do something with Mike Conley. They did something. Mm-hmm. Um, they sent him to Utah in exchange for Grayson Allen, Utah's first-round pick from last year. Kyle Korver, Jay Crowder, which are both on expiring contracts, number 23 in this year's NBA draft, and then a future pick in the first round that will, and I mean, I guess it has a chance to convey in 2020 or 2021, but will most likely convey in 2022. The only way to convey before that is if the Jazz don't make the playoffs, but they fall in late lottery. So they'd have to be not top eight in the lottery mm. and miss the So it's kind of, it's just probably not going to convey in those two years. Yep. Um, we'll probably convey in 2022 when it's nearly unprotected. And that's the supposed year that the high school players are going to be able to, to enter the draft um, straight out of school. So that's supposed to be a, a highly coveted draft. So knowing that probably makes the deal a little bit sweeter for Memphis. Then there is this wild Houston story about Chris Paul (laughs) and James Harden, which everyone in Houston says is false. But I watched some Houston basketball this year. There's not nothing wrong in Houston. It's weird. It's like the house is on fire and like Daryl Morey and co is standing out in front of it and saying like, nothing's wrong. (laughs) Nothing's wrong here. Move along. I mean, like, 
I get there's going to be like disagreements with teammates. Like I, I get that, but there, there's a lot of disagreements <laughs> if that's what we want to call them that happen when Chris Paul and James Harden are involved. It's weird because it's all like capped off by Mike D'Antoni's like C- contract talks. Yeah, and that weird situation, like he wants an extension. They will give him an extension with very limited, like guaranteed money, and. It's just like it's permeating throughout the the entire franchise of important individuals wanting their money, wanting their stock, and they're just not getting what they want. And I don't know what great solution there is here because you're pretty capped out, and it's not like you just have money to throw around in Houston, apparently because the owner won't pay anything. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, unless you're trading that god-awful CP3 contract... This is your team. Oh, man. So Houston needs to figure this out ASAP because um, they need to have a pretty clear, clear plan going into free agency because this team has room to get better. Uh, yeah. Probably I, needs to. I mean, like, you – Houston's so weird. Like, they could be the top team in the West next year or they could be – Fourth or fifth again. Yeah. Like, there's a wide, seed. wide wide range of, uh, like, ending points for this Houston team. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. See if anything more comes out of it. Jimmy Butler is reportedly interested. I don't know. I don't see it, but we'll see what comes out of Houston in the next couple weeks. In terms of players and teams making moves, Washington has declined Jabari Parker's $20 million team option, which we kind of figured. But there is mutual interest in re-signing him. It would make sense at a much lower number. That was the Chicago deal, and they acquired him and... Pretty much everyone knew it was a really a one-year deal. Yeah. But, I don't know, Jabari Parker was like, okay. It, not $20 million okay, but maybe if you're more in that 8 to 10 range, you might feel better. Gotta play defense at some point, though. I guess. Um, and get on the floor. And in Washington, <laughs> who knows, with their draft pick, um, if you can play him with him. So, who knows with Jabari Parker's future. I'm just. I just want to throw it out there, just for funsies. Los Angeles. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> just let's just throw it out there. Um, Hassan Whiteside opts into his 27 million dollar player option with Miami. We all knew that was coming because that dude's not getting anything close to that uh, once he actually hits the free agent market. And the Pelicans picked up Jaleel Okafor's 1.7 million dollar team option. He had a Nice little resurrection there at the Pelicans at the end of the year. I mean, for $1.7 million, you're not going to find another center who can yeah. do what Jalil Okafor does. So, And yeah, like, he can actually score. He's still young. He's only been in the NBA for a, a handful of years, and he finally is kind of getting himself into shape. So I think that's really encouraging. I would like to see him have another chance with New Orleans. See what happens. Absolutely. Now, we're going to – that's all for the news. That's all we really got. I mean, Chris Middleton opted out of his – uh, player option, but we all knew that was coming too. <gasps> what? Thirteen million dollars. Um, looking for like a max, max deal. Yeah. So we're going into a big topic, which is recapping the madness that was the NBA draft this year. Because it, I, I knew there would be moves. You always count on there being three, four, maybe five trades. There were, there were a ton of first round trades and even some deals before the draft to get it prepped. So we gotta, we're gonna break it down into one players, actual NBA players that got moved, teams that moved up in the first round and, and why they did it, who they got, some of our favorite picks, some some 
questionable head scratching picks and then finally some winners and losers from the 2019 nba draft so ryan will you start us off with what nba players actually got moved okay let's start this off um so start off tony snell gets traded to detroit john luer sent back to milwaukee tj warren gets traded to indiana in what was thought to be a, a Suns freeing up some cap space. Why do the Suns feel like they need to free up cap space? <laughs> because because D'Angelo Russell. I guess. Matt, okay. But we'll just 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 wait, just wait. Then they take Dario Saric on for the to get the sixth pick eventually. Yeah. But that we'll cover that later. Uh, gets traded to Phoenix. Solomon Hang get Solomon excuse me, Solomon Hill gets traded to Atlanta. Aaron Baines gets traded to Phoenix. I don't know if you can do math, but uh, now that is two players that <laughs> Phoenix has acquired. You dumped with 15 a- million and took on 10 million. With actual NBA contracts. Crazy. Who knew? So you only freed up 5 million cap space. Uh, Jonathan Simmons and then gets traded to Washington. Um, fine. Like, whatever. So a lot of these guys are like fringe rotation guys. Honestly, Darius Arch is probably like the most notable out of yeah. them because he's on the last year of his rookie deal but a lot of these guys it's like they're useful you tj warren might actually be like a really useful piece for indiana considering that it seems like bogdanovich is going to command a lot of money out on the free agent market yeah so maybe tj warren for only 15 million dollars and he's locked up for the next i think three years maybe that's just like a cheaper but semi like quality yeah, yeah competent player to replace him that's honestly probably a good deal for indiana and they really didn't have to like give up anything either yeah, that was, that was a good deal. I also find it funny that Milwaukee has just like dumped all of their like do not want players to Detroit right now. <laughs> Thon McCurr, now Tony Snell, who's just like fell out of love with the franchise. And Detroit's just like, yeah, we'll take them on. Sure, you guys made the Eastern Conference Finals. So we could take these guys on. And they got the 30th pick Detroit did out of that deal. Great. Which then they flipped again. But we'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, so teams that moved up in the first round. So, um, definitely called the, the first one. A lot of people saw this coming. So, Atlanta, package number 8 and number 17, um, as well as, I think, number 35 also, to move up to the number 4 spot to take DeAndre Hunter and the draft. It was kind of crazy that they didn't have to package 8 and 10. They got to yeah. keep 10, um, didn't have to package 17. Yeah. So, I would say, overall, it's probably a pretty good win for Atlanta and all that. Like, yeah, you gave up some... Like a, a handful of picks in this, and um, they had to take on Solomon Hill, which you mentioned. But you got your guy. Yeah, so. I mean Atlanta's been super aggressive about going to get their guy in these last two drafts. So like, if that's what you feel comfortable with, at the end of the day, you can say, well, we got our people, yeah. and like, if it doesn't work out, I can say you did it your way. Yeah, and it wasn't just what fell to you. So I can applaud that move. Um, probably a smart one. Also good for New Orleans trading back in that. Minnesota um, packaged number 11 and Darius Arch, which you mentioned, to move up to the number six spot where they selected Texas Tech's Jarrett Culver. Again, like this move, and we'll talk more about it because this is one of my favorite picks mm. of the draft. I thought this was really smart. Phoenix, not so sure what you're doing. Um, train back <laughs> in this scenario and what you did with it, but applaud to Minnesota on that one. Uh, Philadelphia packaged 24, 30, and 33 to move up to number 20 to draft uh, the Washington wing, Matisse Thibel. There was a lot of rumors that Matisse Thibel and Philly were kind of destined for each other, but I feel like they moved up to make sure Boston or Oklahoma City 
wouldn't take him at the 20, 21, 22 um, picks. So, or Utah at 23, but then they traded that to Memphis. So, I mean, I get why you moved up for it. Maybe a little rich for my blood, but I get why. Again, Australian connection. <laughs> Philly drafts everyone with Australian connection now. It's just a thing. Memphis packaged 23 and a future second to swap with Oklahoma City at 21, where they drafted Brandon Clark. Really liked this move. It was really, yeah. I mean, like, you feel good about John Morant, Triple J, and Brandon Clark Clark, now. Yeah, I'll say it's something to build around if you're Memphis, um, which we talked about them being outdated before in previous podcasts. Not anymore. Well, I mean, they're still following that same format of grit and grind. Point guard, power forward, center. Yeah, but it's at just least, a little different. At least it looks newer. At least it feels like there's hope. There's 2019 NBA, not yeah. 1999 NBA. Yeah. <laughs> um, Phoenix again doing things. Uh, Phoenix moves a 2020 first round pick essentially for number to move up to number 24, where they took on Aaron Baines also, which you mentioned, and they got to draft again. Got to draft Ty Jerome. Um, <laughs> So this is just, and that 2021st was, it's from Milwaukee, so it's part of that Eric Bledsoe deal. So that's still coming back into play here. Um, so that's that's a thing. We'll talk more about Phoenix um, and their their picks here in a little bit because they did stuff. Um, the Clippers sent a 2020 future first and number 56 to Brooklyn, and they get selected at number 27. Um, Fundu Kamangele, the big man out of Florida State. I like this one. Solid pick. And then the Cavaliers, right at the end of the first round, um, packaged four future second-round picks to Detroit for Kevin Porter Jr. <laughs> what, like, what, from what we saw, just a side note here, from what we saw of the second round this year, why are you trying to get four future second-round picks? Most of these teams just give up, like... Like, they don't even draft well there in were the multiple, second round. There were multiple trades where teams were giving up two, three, four future second round picks. It's just hilarious if, like, you get on, like, NBA.com or any draft website to see, like, the order of the second round. And it's, like, only four or five teams have, like, their original second round pick. Everyone else, it's Houston via Phoenix via LAC <laughs> via Philly. Like, it's, like, three times traded over. That's really hilarious to me, and but they did it. The Cavaliers had a guy in mind. They saw, I guess, good value in Kevin Porter Jr. I think it's good value at number thirty to take a shot. Doesn't necessarily line up with the rest of their draft, but uh, I get the shot. So those are teams who moved up in the first round. I'm not gonna talk about teams that moved up in the second round. I don't care. Um, I care a little bit, but not that much. To run through it all. So we're just gonna get to our favorite picks, and then also some some ones that I didn't love so much. So we'll start with we'll start with the good. And we mentioned it at the top, Jarrett Culver to Minnesota. Mm. Really liked this pick. So you don't have to worry about paying Dario Saric next offseason because he's in the last year of his rookie deal, like we said. And their starting lineup could be really, really fun. Ryan, what could be their starting lineup next So year? we would be looking at Teague, Culver, Wiggins, Covington, Towns. And Minnesota's reportedly, because every other NBA team is all of a sudden in love with this player, D'Angelo Russell. Instead of Jeff Teague. Instead of Jeff Teague. Even with Jeff Teague, I still think it's pretty fun with it, D'Angelo Russell. It's super fun, but I like this. Yeah. I mean, you have playmaking essentially at four positions. Like, Covington isn't necessarily a great playmaker, but he makes up for that on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. 
Wiggins, you may be able to like cover up some of his uh, lack of awareness yeah. on offense with Culver and Covington and Towns. Um, even T can cover that up a little bit. Um, Culver's such a good playmaker. Like you yeah. saw it at Tex Tech that he can create for other guys. So it's nice to have that in the starting lineup outside of your point guard and center. And I, I think it's a good cheap player who does what this team needs it to do. Play yep. defense, create some, and kind of, I think, has upside still. Has a lot of upside. He's a, what, young sophomore, right? Yeah. Coming out of college. He, that three-point shot, like, it looks okay, but it obviously has a lot of room to improve. This team desperately needs that. If they feel like they can get that out of Culver, I think this is going to be a home run pick. And Phoenix is going to look ridiculous for only getting what they got for him. And I don't think this R.H. Towns pairing was clearly working. It is like two just offensive bigs, yep. and no one could cover up for it. Like even Robert Covington right. couldn't couldn't do anything about it. So I think getting off of that situation, getting onto this new look, new new head coach, no Jimmy Butler this year. It's it's a different team. It's gonna feel different. It's not a playoff team, but I think there's hope here for Minnesota. Something like a positive direction, a very clear path. That's why I really like number six. The next pick I really liked was was Cam Reddish mm. to Atlanta. One, because to me, this is really good value. I know I was still kind of high on Cam Reddish. I had him at number four on my big board. You got him at number 10. So the way I rate that, that's like a plus six value. So a really good value there. And he has huge upside. Like he was one of the top players in, in his recruiting class. You saw it in moments at Duke. It just wasn't consistently there. And again, there there's real upside here. And again, really good fit no you're gonna notice a theme with a lot of these good value good fit so we told you about the minnesota's potential starting lineup ryan what's atlanta's potential starting lineup so we'd be looking at uh trey young kevin herter cam reddish uh deandre hunter who was the fourth pick which we mentioned and then um John uh, Collins. John Collins. I was going to say Zach Collins, but I knew that wasn't right. John Collins at a, kind of a small ball five, but like very, very like big wings here all yeah, around. Huge. So, so you can kind of cover up for that Trey Young lack of size and lack of defensive ability. But man, this is going to be league pass startling for everyone oh, yeah. this next season. What's like Herder is like 6'7, Reddish is like 6'8, six, 6'9. Hunter's like 6'8", and John Collins is like 6'10", 6'11", all super long. And even Herter a little bit, but mostly Reddish, Hunter, and Collins are super bouncy. Yeah. Like, this is a fun team, and I think Reddish and Hunter can spread the floor too. Like, the Trey Young, John Collins pick and roll here, and then whether it's throwing a lob, short roll, and kicking to the wings, like, this team's going to have shooting, and it's going to have a vertical threat too. This is a fun team that, I don't know, could they make the playoffs? Sneaky, like, maybe make, like, the eight in the, the East. I mean, that seven, eight spots, I mean, just about as open as anything, right? Right. At like, least. what, Detroit was, like, 500 and they made yeah. the playoffs? Like, oh, and they were playing 400 ball there in the last half of the season. So, like, conceivably, you win some more games in the first half of the season, you're right in that conversation. And we talked about Trey Young had a good end to his year. He didn't have a good start. So, if he has a decent start and they don't completely suck at the beginning yeah like that that could be like this really fun turnaround that i don't think a lot of people saw for atlanta in two years 
I mean, like, it just shows you, like, be smart with your assets. Take on, like, you might take on some bad contracts while you're bad, but that's mm-hmm. fine because then you get draft picks and you turn those draft picks into, because they had, you had mentioned it on the last podcast, six picks. Yeah, three in the first, three in the second. They only walked away from this draft with three players, but it's because you used them to package <laughs> and move up to get the guys you wanted. And made smart picks. Like you said, like getting Cam Reddish at 10, like having him, I'm sure like they loved him, but I don't know if they ever in their wildest dreams imagined him falling to 10, yeah. right? Like you wouldn't think he would have got past like, I mean, even I thought Cleveland at five legit could have taken him. I could have understood Phoenix taking him at six if they would have stayed there. No, I mean, New Orleans taking him at eight was a real possibility. Washington taking him at nine was a real possibility. And then he's there at 10. It's like he, they were, they somehow traded up to four. They got out of the eight spot to trade up to the four, got their guy, and then just waited at 10 and still so got, got their, their other guy. guy. <laughs> like, that's incredible drafting by Atlanta. You yeah. couldn't have played that any better. And great reading other teams, too. Like, yeah. knowing other teams and saying, like, not overselling their 10th pick to yeah. try to get up to like pulling a Chicago bears with Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> pulling in from another sport overselling on a pick. And then you're, even if it works out, right. You, you gave up too much, right? I think they gave up a good amount to move up to get Deandre Hunter earlier. And then they so got a, they saw it another top 10 pick and they used it well on cam reddish. So those were my first two favorites. The next three were all in the twenties. It's not that I didn't like anyone in the teens, but I just really loved these three in the 20s. Again, value and fit. We, we briefly hinted at this one, number 21, Brandon Clark going to Memphis. So when they moved up, they traded with OKC. Memphis, again, got great value. Brandon Clark was the number 11 guy on my board. I think he fits well. And the grit and grind, yeah, might, might still be a thing that they're going for. But with Ja Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Brandon Clark, still not even close to a playoff team got to have reasonable expectations here but that's a good core that's something you can build around i mean like again year two you see the signs of a like competent rebuild Mm -hmm. um we're talking about just pulling in another team like new orleans did they ever have like the good outlook of these three players or even the last two teams we've mentioned like have there ever been a core around Anthony Davis like that where you can say, oh, there's a future here? No, it's that they had to go out and acquire like a Drew Holiday and they rushed. They rushed it. Yeah. Whereas Memphis, it's like, don't just don't do that. Right. Just slow play it. Get your top 10 picks. Trust your scouting. Make it work. And then find good value around them. And all of a sudden, like in a year or two, you can maybe be in the playoff hunt. Yeah. And that's right where you want to be. I, I really like this pairing in the front court with Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark. Both can play defense. Jackson can spread the floor more than Clark can, so they don't need him to develop that right away, um, assuming he can develop it. But they they just fit so well next to each other. Brandon Clark can take the perimeter guys. Jaron Jackson Jr. can take the more interior mm. defensive role. But it's like they have so much more flexibility with their lineups now that – yeah, they'll probably bring back like a Jonas Valanciunas, but he doesn't give them the flexibility, the the roster options, the, the lineup options that you might want. But this young group of three guys does. So I really like this pick for Memphis. The next one, some pick right after them, number 22. 
I don't mean to be a homer, but I really liked this pick. Grant Williams going to Boston. Yeah. I had him at number 14 on my board. So that's a plus eight value. And I'm, I just already love the idea of this small ball lineup. Maybe I'm just trying to grab onto something since <laughs> we're losing Al Horford and Kyrie Irving. But this something actually sounds pretty good to, to grab onto. This small ball lineup of Marcus Smart, mm. um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, and Grant Williams. I, I love the sound of this. I have no idea if it'll actually work this year. But from what I've seen so far, I'm hoping Hayward is getting healthy. And I like what I've seen from Grant Williams in his three years at Tennessee. I, I love the idea of this spread team with just really efficient front court players. And then Jason Tatum kind of gets to be the star of it. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, that's a great defensive lineup. You kind of have to worry about the offensive side of it. But again, a little bit older player from college super smart high iq basketball guy can plug him in tomorrow and he can play yeah like that's that's a rare thing for a late first round draft yeah. pick and he won't start because he's not really that center that you want beside um brown tatum and hayward but he'll he should be getting 15 to 20 minutes a night from day one in the nba in my opinion so I think that's just really good value, gives gives Boston some flexibility. It's a good fit there. I, I enjoy the idea of that front court going forward. And the last favorite pick, although I'm I wasn't super high on this guy, like a lot of people were. Again, good value, good fit. Number twenty five in the NBA draft was Nasir Little going to Portland. Mm. So I some people still had Nasir Little like in their top twelve. I actually had him at nineteen. So I was still quite a bit lower on him because we talked about it in the draft preview pod. He didn't start for North Carolina. There are some games he could barely get off the bench. Yeah. Like that's concerning. But on some level, like in flashes, you still saw why everyone thought he was going to be a top five pick to start the year. So you got a guy who has legit lottery talent, real upside still. And you got him at the end of the first round. To me, that's just a generally good idea. Take a swing on those guys. Again, good value. And if it's a position of need for this team, they're probably losing Alfred Camino in free agency. Mm. He's just probably going to get paid more than they can pay him, at, just being honest, because they're a, they're a team that's really high up in terms of the tax already. So Portland's got to be conscious of that. So finding, again, good value, cheap replacements. I'm not saying Nasir is as good as Alfred Camino on the defensive end, but... We talked about the 7-1 wingspan, the very real athleticism. His just type makes you think he can develop. And Portland's done a good job of developing their young players recently. Whether that's Damon CJ or Mo Harkless or Zach Collins. They've even took guys like Yusuf Nurkic and made them better when yeah. they've got there. Portland seems to be a good fit for people. He won't have to start. Low expectations right. for him. Right. I just I love the idea of this fit, letting him grow into an NBA role rather than just taking him in the lottery and forcing him to be a NBA contributor contributor tomorrow. Right. That expectation game that we always talk about, right? Like he can mm-hmm. come off the bench, not have a ton of expectations and play well. Um the nice thing about this is like if he hits, let's say he hits mm-hmm. to his top 5 draft potential. 
I mean, like, this is a home run for Portland. Now you have a wing along alongside your perennial all-star guards. Like, mm-hmm. this is a no-brainer. And then you, I mean, what have you, you know, Nurkic comes back as, like, you have to feel really confident about that group of players. And knowing how your season just went, like, even with the injury you got to the Western Conference Finals, yeah, it didn't go well once you got there. But, I mean, you were playing Golden State. It doesn't go well for a lot yeah. of people. <laughs> so, like, you, you have confidence now. Right. Going off of how this season went, the team you have, knowing Nurkic should be back, mm. and then you're adding a talented guy. And if he's playing 10 to 15 minutes a night, I think Nasir Little's, like we've talked about, expectations will be reasonable, and this team will look at it as a positive addition. I know Portland doesn't love rookies because they're like, oh, can they really help? That's their GM's perspective. I think Nasir Little can. And of all the players available at that spot, I think that was the absolute 100% correct pick for Portland there. Way to not screw that up. Maybe, maybe that's all you need to do to be one of my favorite picks. You didn't screw it up. A plus job. So let's talk about some people who did screw it up. Oh my god. <laughs> so the first one, I, I'm pretty sure it's a screw up. I'm, I've got a little pushback on whether it's a screw up, but I think it, it's, it's head scratching for sure. So number five, Darius Garland going to Cleveland. So I love Darius Garland's talent. I like his skill set for the modern NBA. He's a weird pairing with Colin Sexton. Yeah. I mean, like, you drafted a point guard last year. You drafted a point guard this year. Maybe it's just Cleveland taking the approach of take what you feel like is the best guy available. And figure it out later. Yeah. I mean, like, I get that perspective. I will say their next couple of picks get really confusing because then they take guards. Yeah. Again. You took Dylan Windler at 26, who maybe you can put him at the three, but he's only 195 pounds. So that's not going to so work. I, in the NBA, I don't think it's going to work. I think he's a good two. I think yep. he's a, just a slightly taller two. And then you took, like we mentioned, you traded up for Kevin Porter Jr., who he's a two, three in the NBA. He's six, six. He's a little bit thicker. So maybe side, like weight-wise, he can fit at the three. But like, why would you take two more wings when you already have Colin Sexton and you drafted Darius Garland. Like, that's, to me, like, you can't play those guys one through four in your lineup. So it's a confusing draft, but when you have a top five pick, that's what sets the tone for the rest of your draft. Right. And very clearly on, we knew, uh-oh, Cleveland's <laughs> doing this again, aren't they? And they did it. And I've heard a lot of comparisons. Well, maybe this can be Dame and CJ. Dame is much, much bouncier than Darius Garland. I think... He's way more skilled than Colin Sexton. CJ, I would say the the idea of CJ play style is similar to Darius Garland. I think like that's actually a pretty decent comp. But CJ McCollum is significantly bigger. Like yeah. he's like a six foot four, six like ten wingspan, can actually play defense. Darius Garland's not that. Like he's not gonna play defense for you. You're gonna be lucky if he's ever an average NBA defender. Same thing with Colin Sexton. At least Colin Sexton plays hard on defense. Yeah. But, again, you're going to be lucky if they're ever league average. I think Dame is at least near league average. And CJ is, I'd say, slightly above league average defensively. And their offensive games are so much better. Yeah. So that's not that's not the same thing. It's, it's not the best comparison. I get if that's the mantra you're going for, but I've seen other two point guard lineups that haven't worked out plenty aka phoenix going with the whole <laughs> isaiah thomas goran dragic eric bledsoe ordeal 
Like I can find as many or more that haven't worked out. So I'd just be very weary if you're Cleveland. You actually had a top five pick in this year's draft where I think there were still really good players. This isn't the one I would have taken. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it, it the fit's going to be weird. Like Colin Sexton is trying to establish himself, and now Darius Garland has to try to establish himself. So, like, are they going to get along? Are they going to be – what are they going to be on the court? What are they going to be off the court? Yeah. Like, all of this stuff comes into play, and, like, it just feels – weird drafting two point guards in back-to-back years so that's the that's the first one the second one we alluded to it at the very top this was the one where like you jokingly yelled out a player (laughs) and and we're like nah and then it happened so this was number nine washington the wizards select rui hachimura power forward notice only power forward out of gonzaga i mean maybe he's a small ball five same way Grant Williams can be a small ball five for Boston. But again, this is a reach. I had him at number 18 on my big board, I think. Um, so it's like you're reaching for a guy that – or at number 16. So it's like you're reaching for a guy that I don't know if he necessarily even fits what you want in a power forward because he hasn't consistently shot a three – and your centers are like Dwight Howard and Jan Mahimi, and you have no stretchability at the five. You're maybe rebuilding because you know you don't have John Wall for a year. Rui Hachimura is not a rebuild guy because he's got he's got a low ceiling in my yeah. opinion, and it just it doesn't fit with what they're they're going for. I don't think, and in the East especially where you're seeing guys like Giannis, and you're seeing Philly run up lineups like Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris at the four. You're seeing Boston run out guys like Gordon Hayward or Jason Tatum at the four. And you go and draft like this big power guy who <laughs> can't move as well on the perimeter. I mean, is this really just a stop Giannis guy? I mean, he's not even like a lockdown defender though. That's the, no. that's the tricky part is like, it would be one thing if he was excellent at one thing. Right. And he's, he's not, he's just really good. Or not even really good. He's just good, good at a lot of things. Which there's something to be said about that. There's something about a guy who can step in and he can probably play 15 minutes tomorrow. He's got an NBA body. But it's like he, he very literally is still learning the game. Yeah. Especially learning English. Like he started learning English three years ago, realistically. And he's still figuring that out and like how to play American basketball. So it's like there's some real issues here i guess there is upside but for washington i would have felt much more comfortable taking you know a wing because we say guys who have the ball in their hands that make plays win you games guards and wings that's who you want to be taking and they took a position locked four who can maybe play small ball five that ain't it (laughs) that ain't it chief my favorite thing about this we mentioned this in the news like they declined jabari parker but want to bring him back so you're bringing back, bringing in a position lock four, and also wanting to sign a p- position lock four. Like, everyone thinks thought Jabari. Proce- what, what's the thought process here? Everyone thinks Jabari Parker can play the three. Every time a team gets him, they say in practice, man, he can play the three. Every time you put him out there in a game playing the three, it doesn't work. I I don't know if Washington's on that same train of thought, but you're right. Like you can't. I don't think you can play those two guys together. Mm-mm. So it's like. Why would you really take time to develop these two young prospects 
if they can't play together. That just, it does make sense to me. I feel like there were better options. I would have felt better about them taking like a Cam Reddish. I would have felt better about them taking like a Romeo Langford, even. Like there were a few other guys I would have felt better about them taking. Even if you were wanting to take a, a four, I would have gone for one that could maybe even play the three, like a Seiko Demboye. Yeah. So again, other guys there I felt would have much better fit. Or maybe trade back. If you, yeah, if you don't love anybody, you can trade back. You have that option. And you know, obviously there were there were teams willing to trade up early on. So I don't. Know, th- there were options there, and I don't feel like they used, which they don't get top ten picks often because Wall and Beal have been a good backcourt. You don't get these top ten picks often, and it feels like you kind of squandered the opportunity. You made up for it in the second round a little bit, but top ten pick knocks you down instantly. Yeah. So then here comes Phoenix. They, they saw Washington, they saw Cleveland, and they're like, hold my beer. And they took at number 11, because they had swapped with Minnesota, Cam Johnson. So he's that, he's someone that I even mentioned on the last podcast. I like him. He's six foot nine, uh, a taller wing out of New York, North Carolina. Yeah, he was a five year senior, but the dude can shoot the lights out. Like, literally was shooting like. 46% this last year. Like, ridiculous shooter. Probably the best shooter in the draft. Yeah, he's had some injuries um, in the in the past, some hip problems, but he's a wonderful shooter. I said any team in the 20s would be lucky to have Cam Johnson. I wouldn't be surprised if he went 17, 18, 19 in that range. And Phoenix takes him at 11. <laughs> good, good God, Phoenix. Uh, what a about, huge reach. You think about this. They tanked. They won 19 games this year. Yeah. And for all that, you get Cam Johnson. You could have had Zion, and you end up having Cam Johnson. Johnson. Yes, not Zion. And then even in the back of the draft, all you got was Ty Jerome and Aaron Baines. Like, and you lost TJ Warren. Like, there was nothing that they... I I don't feel like they walked away with this draft with, like, any real assets. A couple guys, for sure, that can, like help the team but to me cam johnson someone you plug into a playoff situation yeah ty jerome someone you plug into like a playoff or near playoff situation not someone where you're like hey like we need need you and phoenix like need needs people yeah i mean like uh i like you could have i mean you like could have stayed at six and got jared culver and gotten jared culver or even Kobe White, who went seven to Chicago. Yeah. Like what? Like what are you doing? <laughs> like the it's Washington so and Phoenix had the most confusing drafts to me, for sure. And I just like, I mean, outside of the Thunder, but we'll get to them in a second. Um, it's just heartbreaking for Phoenix. Two to three years out, still. <laughs> they're they're forever gonna be two or three years away. At least Cam Johnson can shoot. I mean, at least he got that now. But so can Devin Booker. I don't think it's went whatever um the next one again we talked about him as someone i liked someone you could probably get later in the draft that would give you potential lottery talent but there were some some acl injury concerns and that was chuma okiki well he went 16 not quite the lottery but almost to orlando again he had that injury at the end of the year for auburn I would say it's a reach because he was. It's like he was a maybe lottery pick. Mm. It's not like he was a guaranteed lottery pick. Sure. He he probably would have ended up in my twenties, and but because of an injury, I had him ranked at thirty two. 
So near first round. Again, would have been fine if he fell at like the mid end of the 20s. He went 16 though. It's a reach for me. But probably the bigger problem than anything for, for me in this pick is it's not a position of need for Orlando. Because Chumo Kiki is a power forward who can maybe play some three. He is, he's not a small ball five. It's really the other way, if anything. And this team, Orlando, is stacked in the front court already. This guy's never going to start. And you spent your number 16 pick on him. What are you doing, Orlando? <laughs> I mean, you nailed it on the head there. You have Jonathan Isaac, who you drafted a season ago. Mm-hmm. You have Aaron Gordon, who you just re-upped his contract. Big extension. And you have Mo Bamba. You just drafted at number six last year. Like, oh, where's this guy going to play? Like, where's the spacing? Like, I know Jonathan Isaac is hopefully going to expand his game. Aaron Gordon has expanded his game some. But, like, these guys aren't, like, playmakers necessarily. No. And it's, so it's like, Shumo Kiki is probably the best playmaker of them all. But, again, when is he going to get on the f- floor? Even right. when he gets healthy, when is he going to get on the floor for more than... 15 maybe 20 minutes a night you don't spend number 16 when you're still a developing team like orlando is on another front court player when all you have is front court players <laughs> like what why do you not see the logic in that orlando like go right. get a guard if you got markel fultz you got philly to dump him for you it's like and maybe you believe in him and you have avon fournier maybe you go get a guard who can help you either when Markel is healthy or for when Avon Fournier comes off the books here pretty soon. I, it's like you are at number 16 and who went number 17? Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Would have literally been perfect for this team. <laughs> and you passed on him. Like there were guys there who could have helped you from a guard perspective and you went for another front court player. Again, I, I like Okiki's talent, but you reached for him anyway and it's not a position of need. You, you just you can't win a draft doing that. You just can't. Last one. I'm going to stab Ryan right in the heart. Uh, Number 23, Oklahoma City, after you traded back from 21 to 23, took Darius Baisley, a, a New Balance intern, with the 23rd pick in the NBA draft. So this one... I'll, there were some rumors that Darius Baisley was going to get taken in the first round, like even as high as like 13 to Miami because Miami was going to take the chance. So I wasn't totally shocked that he went in the first round. I still don't think it's a good idea. I had him at number 46 on my board. So you literally went a minus 23 value on that. Um, I, and I know some people maybe had him in the 30s, but still, it's not good value at number 23. He had a year off from basketball, so he hasn't played a basketball game in a year. And yeah, the last game he played was against high schoolers, schoolers. mind you. The NBA is not full of high schoolers. Last time I checked. And, again, it's a similar idea to Orlando. Why do you need another long wing who can't really shoot, hasn't proven it at high levels of basketball, and you could have traded back if you really wanted him? My thing is, like, okay, this Oklahoma City team is obviously trying to contend, right? Yeah. You have a first-round pick. Haven't had a lot of those recently just because of trades. So, theoretically, you're trying to get off bad contracts. What have teams done recently, Matt, 
to get off bad contracts, associate a first-round pick with it. Yep. Obviously, Sam Presti couldn't have pulled it off. This is a project player at best. And, oh, like, yeah. this is not what this team needs. Like, you need a t- guy who can come in and play and shoot threes. Like, that's what this team needs. Needs shooting. Like, that was the cl- biggest need. Darius Baisley might be able to shoot at the NBA level in a year or two. But are you going to wait for him the same way you had to wait for Terrence Ferguson again? It's like, okay, well, if Robertson comes back, where's this dude playing? I'll tell you, you have him, you have Ferguson, you already have Paul George on the wing. It's like... Diallo. Yeah, you liked what you saw from Diallo. You like to play two-point guard lineups with Schroeder and Westbrook on the court at the same time. Like... The minutes for this kid, assuming he's even playing NBA minutes, it's going to be 10 to maybe 15 minutes a game at most. And if he's not even playing NBA minutes, maybe, what, are you sending him down to the G League? Did you spend the number 23 pick on a guy who needs to spend a year in the G League for a team that's trying to contend tomorrow because you only have Paul George for a couple more years? And Russell Westbrook's at the end of his prime. I mean, like, the list goes on and on. Like, what? What are we doing here? Again, like, win now moves. Like, I, that's what it has to be for OKC. Again, if you just wanted a wing who can just stroke the ball, take Dylan Windler, the guy the Cavs took three picks later at 26. Because the dude can shoot the freaking lights out. He may not play a ton of defense, but he can play a little defense. You don't need that on this team. You have yeah. Paul George and Andre Robertson. Yeah. So if you just needed a 6'8 wing who could shoot, there's Dylan Windler. Why take six foot eight, six nine Darius Baisley, who maybe doesn't have, who has the upside that Windler doesn't have? But like, it's just very confusing to me why they took him over a couple other options that were realistically out there. And again, you could have traded back if you really wanted him. I don't, I don't see any of the teams after you taking him. Like, I wouldn't have seen Phoenix. They, did, him they drafted a wing earlier yeah, in Cam Johnson. They've been drafting wings before that, so it's like they wouldn't have taken him probably. I doubt Portland would have taken him. Because Nasir Little's still there? Yeah. I, I, Maybe Cleveland would have taken him, but I don't think so. They clearly wanted an older guy who could actually shoot, so I feel like they would have tried to go on that path. I mean, maybe you can make a case for a couple teams, but I still think you could have traded down, even if it was four, five, six, seven, eight spots, you still could have got this guy. So it wouldn't have been as terrible a value, but, and maybe we've got you a little more assets that then you could use to get rid of one of your bigger contracts. But still, like, this isn't what the team needed. You're trying to win tomorrow. The West is open, and you didn't capitalize on the chance, it seems like. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Darius Baisley is a stud who has been practicing his jump shots in the New Balance parking lot. But I'm not feeling great about that. It doesn't make me feel great when my NBA team selects someone. Like, I feel like I could have gotten drafted by the Thunder, <laughs> essentially. Like, can I get an internship with New Balance Let's and then next year get a, you know, get a draft pick? Hey, in if the you first get round? a million dollar internship with New Balance. Man, I, maybe I don't want to go to the NBA. Yeah, just do that. That'd be cool. Um, so last bit we're into is just our winners and losers. I'm trying to hit on some teams that we haven't talked about yet. Um, because there are some pretty obvious winners from guys we've just talked about or pretty obvious losers from guys we've just talked about. So I want to throw in some other teams we haven't got to yet, but I still think they they were a winner or a loser from the draft. So first off, 
um, one that maybe not a ton of people agree with, but I really liked San Antonio's draft. It, they drafted San Antonio guys, yeah. first of all. So, again, you know what you want, though. You went out and got it. I was much higher on Lucas Samanich than most. He was number 19 on my board, and Spurs took him at number 19. <laughs> Man, again, good value there. They also took Kellen Johnson at the end of the first at number 29. Again, we talked about some of the problems with Keldon Johnson on our last pod, but getting him at 29, I think it's a super reasonable get um, for him. Some people talked about him going in the lottery. I didn't think he deserved that. I said mid-late 20s was where I'd take him. It's exactly where you got him. Again, has upside and kind of fits what the Spurs like to do. They both fit positions of need. They can be backup wings, backup forwards probably tomorrow and kind of help you and then although i don't take tons of stock in second round guys i i get frustrated with teams who who screw it up though yeah the spurs didn't screw it up it took uh a guard named quindary witherspoon he's from mississippi state i i really enjoy his game he's good with playing the ball in his hands out of his hands he's got a good nba body he can actually help you and you can't find that from many guys who you're drafting at number 49 and they found a guy who can legit help them. I, I had him at 52 on my board. You took him at 49. When you're that late in the draft, it's really just who you prefer. So I think it's a perfectly reasonable pick. I'm super high on San Antonio's draft because I think there's real upside and guys who can actually help you. Spurs like to just stay in the playoffs. These are guys who will help you do that. It's crazy. Like, you know, they draft guys that fit their team and like can actually help them. And Man. they make the playoffs every year. Crazy that Sam does that. Um, it's called a competent front <laughs> So I, I like what San Antonio did. It wasn't the sexiest draft, but I think it was just a really solid draft. One of my losers, though, was Charlotte. It's a team that I was high I don't want to say high on, but I believed that they would finally get over the hump and get into the playoffs this year. They didn't do it. And so part of me was like, you know, what are they going to do here? I I bet I know what they're going to do. I hope they don't do it. And then they did it. <laughs> Number 12 in the draft, they drafted a guy with very little upside in P.J. Washington. I'm I'm not the biggest P.J. Washington fan. I had him at number 24 on my big board. They took him at number 12. That's not good. <laughs> and I think part of it's just, I think he might be able to shoot a corner three, but I don't know if it's a full guarantee. Is this like an MKG all over again I'm, I'm wondering i hope not but i'm wondering if that what is that's what it ends up being now pj washington plays really hard he he does like we talked with hachimura he's good at a lot of stuff not great at anything so it's like he's probably a useful bench player tomorrow again 10 15 nba minutes tonight he can handle that but why are you picking that at number 12 yeah again trade back if that's your guy and you want him later on I've been fine with that. Or take someone that's got a little more potential. Like Seiko Domboye was still right there. And he fell to 15. You were at 12. You could have taken him. That's real upside. And I feel like he would give you just as much this year as P.J. Washington, if not more. I had Domboye at number, I think, 8 on my draft board. P.J. Washington at 24. And you took P.J. Washington. Like That just tells you where I'm at with their draft. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like, I don't, like this move doesn't feel like they're confident about either. They f- this move feels like this draft feels like 
they are confident Kemba's coming back, but there's no guarantee Kemba's coming back. back. Like, or, this is a role player. You're not, like, yeah. this is the lottery. This is where Donovan Mitchell went, yeah. like, roughly. P.J. Washington's never going to be in star or anything close to an all-star in the NBA. And you just kind of took that. Again, he's a 20s guy to me. And even if he is able to come in and give you, like, fairly competent NBA minutes, is that the type of guy that's going to get you over the hump into the playoffs? I don't think so. Like, no. he'll marginally help, sure. Same thing with their second-round pick, Cody Martin, who they got at number 36. But he was number 73 on my draft board. He was one of the guys who I said every team should call him the moment the draft ends because he's going to go undrafted, and he could help you. But you don't take him at 36. Again, a good position to take a player who can actually help you. That's not too far from the first round. No, and it's like... To me, I would have rather taken a wing in the first round because wings and guards and then taken a, a power forward in the second round, someone like a Admiral Schofield, who was still there, Eric Paschal from Villanova, that was still there, and they flipped the positions. Again, it's, it's philosophy, and I just don't agree with theirs, and that's why I'm going to call them a loser for this draft because... I don't think either of these moves really help them next year in terms of getting over the hump into the playoffs. And ultimately, I think Charlotte, that's their goal. Mm. And they didn't accomplish that. So, you lost. <laughs> Loser. Um, my next winner, though, Chicago. I'll give, I'll give them a little credit because um, I liked their draft. Mm. It, it may made me go wow wow <laughs> wow <laughs> you did something right um kobe white um at number seven i think it's a good pick i like him i like him in that lineup with him levine Otto porter laurie markinen wendell carter jr i like that lineup i think it's a fun young lineup a bunch of dudes who yeah they're still figuring out the nba but you could see something at the end of last year that was like Gave you some hope if you were Chicago. I think Kobe White's a good player. He's he's still got a ton of upside. He's still got a lot of room to fill out physically. And I like their second round pick, Daniel Gafford, mm. who they got at number 38. A, he may be actually an NBA starting center at some point, but at the very least, he's a really good backup who gives him a little something different. Just kind of this rim runner, block shots, different from Wendell Carter Jr. So I like that. I like what they did. And my one thing is the lineup they have that I rattled off. Man, I wish that's the lineup they would have gave, gave Fred Hoiberg. Yeah, just all offense, like just run. Like Kobe at all White times. is like literally the fastest dude in the draft. And what does Fred Hoiberg like to do? Run. And you didn't give him a chance to have him. Yeah. Like that's my only thing. And like you brought in Otto Porter after Fred Hoiberg left. Wendell Carter battled through injuries. When did, or Lori Markinen also missed Wasn't part of the year really, with injuries. Really. So it's like, this is the team now I would have wished Fred Hoiberg got the chance with. Yeah. Just to see what would happen. But I still like the player collection that Chicago has accumulated. It's crazy, you know? Pick guys who you need and don't play guys who will suck for you yeah. later in life. We'll see about their bench. But the starters, at least I have some hope now. I really like Kobe White. I'm I'm a little bit probably higher than most people are on him, but he was a lot of fun to watch at North Carolina just was. because of Roy Williams and that system. But like, dude can shoot. Yeah, he can. He can shoot threes and he can play off ball. I think that's important because Zach Levine likes to have the ball in his hands, mm. so he can play off ball. But at the same time, 
he, he can play with the ball in his hands too. So I had him at number nine on my board. They took him at number seven. So that's reasonable. I don't call that a reach. That's reasonable. So I like that idea for Chicago. Next team, I usually don't hate on teams that only have second round picks, but I'm going to hate on Sacramento. Um, <laughs> I really want Sacramento to do well just because I, I like a good like comeback story. And they did the whole De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald thing, and it's worked out. I, I wasn't a huge fan of Bagley last year, but he showed some potential still. I, I like the idea that they're going for. They only had picks 40, 55, and 60 in this draft. So, like, what you can expect shouldn't be overly, you know, out, out like, on the idea of, like, NBA players. But, like, number 40, I think you could reasonably expect, like, some sort of NBA player to come out of that, even if it's just a backup. They drafted three guys that I didn't have on my top 80 big board. <laughs> so, you know, it, that, that's hard for me. At number 40, they took Justin James, a wing out of the University of Wyoming. At number 55, they took Kyle Guy, the guard from the University of Virginia, the, the NCAA tournament star. They always take the NCAA tournament star. It's like they turn on the NCAA and they're like, oh, these guys are good. Hey. It's like, uh, did you watch the whole season? And then they took um, some international 22-year-old wing who will never see the NBA. So, <laughs> like, they're, so it's like you drafted an international guy who will never come over. Kyle Guy, who he's six foot two. Super skinny. Yeah, he can shoot, but I don't think he's going to play in the NBA. Mm. I just straight up don't think he's going to play in the NBA. Um, he's going to be a really great player for the Stockton Kings. <laughs> and then at number 40, like you took Justin James, who's, I feel like his best skill is his shot blocking, but he's a shooting guard slash small forward. So it's like, cool. I mean, I guess you could say like, oh, it's the athleticism. He's a, he was a senior from Wyoming, but it's like, if you wanted a wing guard type, why didn't you take Jalen Noel from Washington? Why didn't you take Taylor Horton Tucker from Iowa State? Why didn't you take Izzy Brag Iggy Brazdakis from Michigan? Why didn't you take Terrence Mann from Florida State? Why didn't you take Kundari Weatherspoon from Mississippi State? Like there were dudes available if that's the type of player you wanted. And you took a guy who I didn't have honestly, I don't even know if I would have had in my top one hundred. And you took him at number forty. I mean, like, I feel like with th those three second-round picks, you could have packaged... Like, we're seeing teams, like, move up right around 30. Like, why not Why not move up? I know. Up? Package and, and move up if you if you want to take a, a different guy. Again, there were options for Sacramento. Even, at least, you could have said you could have had one NBA player come out of these three second-round picks. And I feel like they got none. Yeah. So, to me, that's just a waste of a draft. And for a young team that's still building, like, you're not there yet. Like, you're still building. You're still looking for some nice quality pieces, or at least a piece to come out of this draft. You got none. Therefore, you lost. Like, you you can't just whiff on a draft or just punt, really. That feels like more what they did. They just punted on a draft. I mean, like, I, I just don't understand these teams. Like, you fight for all these picks and trades and deals, and then, like, what do you do with them? Like, you, you don't even, like... Uh, you gotta capitalize. You, you just gotta, gotta make your money worth it, and they didn't. So we'll get to the most obvious winner of the draft, and that's New Orleans. Just throw it out there. You can't <laughs> go through a draft episode without mentioning them. And Zion, you automatically win because you've got the best player in the draft, and he's head and shoulders the best player in the draft. 
Now, I didn't love Jackson Hayes at number eight, the pick they got for from Atlanta whenever they swapped the number four pick. I get the idea. They went like that center to pair next to Zion. I would have gone with Goga um, Bitatse instead because I like the floor spacing element. But I, I get wanting to pick a center there. I did really love the Nikhil Alexander-Walker pick at 17, which I threw that out there earlier. I mean, you got Zion... So therefore, default winner. And I like their number 17 pick also. Something real they can build around in addition to the Anthony Davis trade. Yeah. I mean, like, it felt like New Orleans Pelicans slash David Griffin were the winners on the night. Like, they like yeah. just kept coming up with these deals, like, smart moves. Like, okay, you have the number four pick. You don't, like, love anybody there? Trade back. Trade back and get off of Solomon Hill's contract. And get another pick in number 17. Yeah. Like awesome you get made like one pick into two it kind of yeah. also side note here this just makes me think of it deandre hunter wearing a lakers dra- hat on draft night is Hilarious. ridiculous to then technically go to new orleans to then go to atlanta like this dude might not get to start summer league along with a lot of dudes might not get to start summer league on time because these trades might not process until july 6th garbage and summer league starts on july 5th that's just hilarious to me one they're wearing the wrong hat and two they might not get to like practice with their team and start summer league on time that's just gold it's so frustrating for players i would have to imagine just because like you see these deals come through on twitter via Woj, and it's like yeah uh, what team am i on i'm i guess i'm wearing this like like how dumb is this like i would throw the lakers hat off the stage just not wear it out there <laughs> like get that out of here spike it at adam silver's feet like get that out of here yeah but, yes new orleans had a beautiful draft um them in atlanta just killed yeah, it they did for sure my last loser and i liked one of their picks one of their three um but i didn't like the way they got their second pick and i just really didn't like the first one so golden state <laughs> Um, Golden State, they they had picks number uh, 28. They bought then basically two second round picks, um, number 39 and number 41. So at 28, it took Jordan Poole. He's a shooting guard out of the University of Michigan. I say he's really just a shooting guard. I don't think he can play the three because he's only 6'4". He's kind of skinny. Um, what he gives him is kind of like this decent shot creator, um, but I don't think they need a shot creator. Really? That's not what this team needs. They need someone who can more stand and shoot and play good defense. That's not Jordan Poole. Yeah. And he's very streaky. Like, he only averaged, like, 12 points a game at Michigan, and he was a sophomore. So it's like he had a couple years in their system, and he was nothing but flashes in a pan. The flashes looked decent. He hit the one really cool shot in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that big highlight but, to win the game. But overall, I didn't love what I saw out of Jordan Poole. I think he looked really good in workouts, but again, I I was more cool with Jordan Poole not getting drafted than getting drafted in the first round. That tells you where I was on on Jordan Poole. I think on my big board, Jordan Poole was number yeah sixty nine, and you got taken at twenty eight. So to me, that's just that's obviously a huge reach. Yeah, I would have been fine honestly in the second round, but I I don't love it in the first round. Again, other guys available similar position similar skill set you could have got or again trade back (laughs) now the next guy they took is uh one of their own players if that makes sense it's weird so they had this 
um, guy, and I might miss up his his last name. Um, Alan Smalajic, Smalajack. I'm not sure. Um, Smiley. Smiley. It's what they um, have him as a nickname. He played for the uh, Santa Cruz Warriors, their G League affiliate, this last year, and then was eligible to put his name into the draft. And before the draft, they bought the 41st pick from Atlanta. Like they paid like a couple million dollars for it. And then because there was like rumblings that uh, someone else was going to take him, then they went up and bought the 39th pick from New Orleans and to take him there. So it's like, okay, so you bought two second round picks to take a guy who is already in your own system. That's just weird to me. Yeah. And it, I mean, maybe you just have money and future second round picks to, to spend and blow and it doesn't really matter. It's just a weird process. I didn't like the process of it. But I mean, I guess you retained your own player. You used a draft pick to retain your own player. That's just a weird concept to me. I did like their last pick. Um, at number 41, they got Eric Paschal, a power forward out of Villanova. Very much fits what mm. Golden State does. I was uh, higher than some on Eric Paschal. I had him at number 32 on my board. I would have even been cool with him going at the end of the first round. So I, I like that they got him at 41, but to draft a guy at the end of the first that I thought really shouldn't have been drafted, and then to buy two second round picks just to get someone who's in your own system. Yeah. Again, this is a weird process, and for a team that very clearly we saw needs some depth. Yeah. Like Yes, at the end of the day, if Clay and KD were healthy, they probably win that championship, but they very clearly need some depth. You screwed it up. I mean, you get it by draft picks. They're che- I mean, like, cheaper players. Yeah. Because you don't have to pay them as much. And especially in the second round, like, where you get value, <laughs> it seems like they were just giving up whatever to get, like, it seems like a desperate move, but, I mean, Bob Myers knows what he's doing, I guess, so. And maybe I'm kind of the same idea of Sacramento. Maybe I shouldn't kill him too much for late first and second round picks. But, again, for teams that need to clearly fill out the roster, you have a chance here. And they had good second round picks too. It's not like these were fifty eight and you know, forty eight. Right. They were pretty high. So I would have loved to see him used in a better way. I like Pascal. Honestly, he's probably gonna be the best out of the three players. So good pick there, but overall I didn't love the process. There are some other teams I could have chose for winner and loser slots, but we already hit on them. Wanna throw some others out there. So those are my biggest takeaways, player and team wise from the 2019 NBA draft and the madness that came with that night. <sighs> Free agency over. is a week away, Matt. Seven days from now. Oh, my. This is about to get insane. This summer is going to, I mean, like, the more we look at it, this draft obviously is going to integrate a lot of new players into the NBA, but it's going to flip. It's This free agency is going to flip the NBA yeah. on its head, especially with the power struggle in the West, like that we've talked about in the past of Golden State might not be what it is. Um, it's just going to be a really interesting year and a really interesting free agency for the NBA and uh, some of these teams who have some cap. Before we go, let me remind you to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Remember, we're on Instagram. Please go give us a follow there. Couch GM Podcast is our username. Um, we would greatly appreciate a follow um, on Instagram. Um, also, shout out to Noah Mitz for creating a new intro and outro for our podcast. A little bit more unique to our podcast than uh, our old intro and outro, but 
thank you so much for creating that. Matt, do you have anything you want to add before we get out of here? I need the NBA to chill. <laughs> <laughs> There's been no, knock on wood, breaking news since we've recorded this podcast, but that's probably going to change now that I've said that. Probably. Um, also, just like don't like spend like crazy like in 2016 teams who have cap space. Don't do it. Don't do it. Someone's going to do it, though. Someone will do it. We'll talk about it next week. We might do like a couple emergency free agency podcasts over might have to. Fourth of July week. It's gonna be nuts. We're almost to episode forty, Matt, and that's insane. We've almost been doing this for Yikes. a year. Um anyways, I'll stop rambling now. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you back next week. Yeah.